Welcome to Spiritual Grit, the podcast where we talk real talk about spirituality through the lens of activism and social justice. What happens when activism and spiritual practices collide? What sparks of change call for the grit we need to create meaningful strides in social justice? I'm your host, Leslie Ann Hobayan, poet, priestess, activist, professor, hip-hop dancer, and badass mama. Join me as we dive in to learn more about our deepest selves so that we can be better ancestors to create a stellar world for our descendants. Grab your dancing shoes and let's get groovy with the grit right now. All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the show. I um, want to welcome my special guest today, and I'm going to read a little bit about his official bio before we get deep into conversation. I'm so excited for this. Um, so Noah Wiseman is here today. He grew up in Burlington, Vermont, um, began his study of the body and movement back in 2003 training in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, um, and then found his way to yoga. So he and his wife, Scylla, have um, founded Suka Yoga, which is in Burlington, Vermont, and um, they do amazing stuff. I just know from the programming that they offer that it's a place that you totally want to be. Um, I also know that they are spending a lot of time in Puerto Rico, and so maybe Noah will talk a little bit about that. But let's just welcome to the show, Noah Wiseman. <laughs> so glad you could be here, my friend. Um, and so for folks who are listening, um, Noah and I met in India when I went there for um, a 300-hour teacher training in bhakti yoga, which we will get to later on in the conversation because that was a very interesting experience. Uh, but to start our episode, we will turn to Hafez to sort of channel in some good vibes before we begin. And so I've got the gift and we'll just randomly select a poem and see what comes forward today. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Let's see. I know I'm like looking, I shouldn't look. I'm like, hmm, how about this one? No. Okay. Uh, this one is called Muhammad's Twin. It's a short piece. I know the one you are looking for. I call that man Muhammad's twin. You saw him, so now your eyes are weaving a great net of tenderness that will one day capture God. Oh, I like that. That's so cool. All right, I'm going to read it again because it's so short. Muhammad's twin. I know the one you were looking for. I call that man Muhammad's twin. You saw him once, so now your eyes are weaving a great net of tenderness that will one day capture God. Ooh. What do you think of that poem? Any feelings, any, any comments you want to make about it? It's nice, it's deep. What, yeah, what, what, what detail jumps out at you? Maybe someday it will lead you to God. Yeah, yeah, I love that too. I like the great net of tenderness, you know, because mm -hmm. here we are sort of always looking for God whether we call it God or universe or spirit, we're always looking for that connection to the divine. And so weaving this net of tenderness really like for me kind of feels playful and a little bit humorous cracks me up because it's like, how can you catch God? You know, it's like, oh, I'm going to weave this little net of tenderness and just go, got you. You know, it's like, no, that's God's here. God is like everywhere in you all over. Um, and so I just, I just love bringing Hafez in to kind of 
set the tone and, and think about tenderness, thinking about seeking. Um, so Noah, why don't you start by telling us a little bit about how you got to yoga? I mean, I know from your bio and just from talking to you and seeing your posts on social media that you are very involved in just body movement, body awareness. And so studying jujitsu, I know MMA is part of your life as well. How did you find your way to yoga? Well, I found my way into yoga, uh, courtesy of my wife, you know, Scylla uh, was a yoga teacher already. I was not taking classes with her. I was very much adamant about using my time towards my MMA career and really uh, training in jujitsu, training all of these uh, physical aspects of, of jujitsu and MMA. And eventually she was able to convince me, yes, it was convincing me to come in to a yoga class. And she, uh, she entertained me with a physically demanding yoga class. Love it. And, uh, and from there on, I said, hey, if it's physically demanding, then I can incorporate this into my... So were you and Scylla together as like a couple who was dating? Were you married? Like, where were you in your relationship when she finally got you into a yoga class? Uh, we were dating at that point for a few years. So okay, yeah, okay. We, we so, had our so it took her. A, it took her a while to get you in there. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. It took her years to get me in. She was, she had been a yoga teacher the whole time that I knew her, and uh, you know she would go teach yoga, and I would go for a run or do whatever I was doing. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> So she got you in the class, you got that physical challenge that you craved after, you know, being very involved with jujitsu and MMA. So then where or when or how did the shift happen where you discovered that yoga is a little bit more than the physical practice? Okay, good question. <laughs> so, uh, and I, I tell this story to different people. Sometimes uh, I, I'll go further and sometimes I won't go as far, but quickly right now, just for the sake of uh, podcasting, we were uh, we we did a very challenging class. She had uh, put us into shavasana at the end of this class, and might I say that the way that Scylla has taught classes the whole time that I've taken these classes. Uh, probably not when she first started as everybody progresses in their teaching abilities. But when I started with her, I was very lucky because she was very breath oriented, mm. meaning you match the breath to the movement. Mm -hmm. And we would also hold these poses for a considerable amount of time. And it was, um, very heavily alignment based cue. Now, not alignment as in this is the picture perfect pose, mm -hmm. but this is this muscle should be doing this. This foot mm -hmm. should be doing this. These fingers should be engaged. All of the different things yeah. that are happening to keep our mind in the pose. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, Love it. So, anyhow, after this yoga class, I'm laying in Shavasana, so not after, but during yoga class, I'm laying in Shavasana, and 
which is also said to be one of the uh, hardest poses. I understand that more now as I've been practicing. But mm-hmm. I had a certain experience during this uh, Shavasana. And I'm not going to get into the experience. But after it, I started reading books because mm-hmm. I didn't know what happened. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know what I felt or anything, anything really. I just, I was just like, well, what, what, what was that? So yeah. I started reading books and I started reading BKS Iyengar. I started reading uh, Georg Gerstein, all these different philosophy books, Edwin Bryant, like all of these different things. So I'm looking into it and I'm starting to learn more of the philosophy behind yoga. And so that's what really, that's what really got me in was, was the classes, the effect that the class had yeah. on me, that Shavasana that I experienced, which it's not something that's, uh, you know, I, I, it's not a reproduced feeling. I don't, I don't go into Shavasana and feel this way every time. Yeah. But that Shavasana set me off to start researching and figure out what's going on and what is this yoga business and why does that happen so yeah did you tell Scylla after that happened were you like oh something just happened or you did you just keep it to yourself you're like oh I'm gonna go research this myself yeah I don't I don't know honestly I couldn't put a I couldn't put a a real uh description to the feeling Mm. Mm -hmm. yeah so I don't know what what I I don't know what I said I think I just started I, I was like on audible and I started getting you know, yeah. I just started like Googling yoga and yeah. getting different yeah. audio books and just listening to them over yeah. and over and over. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 It's hard sometimes with, when you have these, these experiences that are beyond the physical realm, beyond the physical body, because when that happens, then language just sort of just like, right. You're just like, yeah. I don't know what, something happened. I don't have the words for it. So then, cause I've had similar experiences where you just, experience something that comes out of nowhere and you're like whoa where did that come from what was that i know how it felt but i don't have the words for it so then we all search and that's yeah. sort of what sets people into that seeker mode like on that path to seek um and that's that's really powerful so i'm glad that you are now invested in the whole of yoga because a lot of folks think yoga is just like warrior two hold it hold your breath you know like they all forget that yoga has eight limbs um and and i and i really love to to see you and Scylla actually working together um through this yogic path because it's it's really beautiful um but i wanted to i wanted to bring up so as so for those of you that are listening to the podcast noah is not a white person You can't see him. <laughs> so can you can you t- tell us um, a little bit about your identity? Um, do you identify as a black man, as a biracial person, as a mixed race person, and what that experience was like in Berlin? Well, growing up in Vermont, you know, like which feels like the yeah. whitest state on earth, but I'm not sure if it is. I, I mean, mean, I think we're second. I think Vermont is second whitest state. <laughs> Who, who's the who's the first Maine? I, I, want, I believe it's New Hampshire, which is oh, okay. Our, which is our neighbor anyway. So. <laughs> so what was that like? Um, you know, just growing up and then and then sort of following that trajectory to to yoga. You know, so take yeah. us through through that. 
okay, well, uh, you know, something, it, it was different because growing up, you don't really, you notice that things are different because you look a little bit different and whatnot, but, uh, but you don't really see everybody else as different. You see yourself as different, I guess I would right. say. Yeah. So, yeah. so my mother is white and subsequently, uh, her remarriage was to a white person. So when people would see my sister and I, and they would see the newly adopted, my, my older sisters who it was a package deal with my, with my mother's new husband. So they were white. So it was my sister and I that were a little bit darker than everybody else. So we'd be around with people and, uh, they would think that we were fresh air kids. That oh. was kind of that was kind of the thing. They wouldn't recognize us as being uh, my mother's childrens, or at the, at that point, I had been adopted, so they wouldn't re recognize us as us being my adopted father's, whom I call dad. So, just for uh, sake of clarification for everybody, I call my adopted father dad, and if I am ever referring to my birth father you'll be hearing it as my birth father, whom is my black father, my birth yeah. father. So, yeah, yeah. Um, and so also, I, dad, wait, I, I call my dad my dad. <laughs> yeah, and just for context, for those that are listening who don't know what Fresh Air Kids are, it's um, it's it's a program from back in the, like the 80s, right? Um, yeah. I mean, where they still do, it, so. do they still do it? Yeah, well, they, they call it nowadays. But. Yeah, but they take they take kids from the city, usually kids of color who come from lower income communities, um, urban kids, and then they send them to the country to get fresh air. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just crazy. But it's so wild to think. I mean, it's not unexpected, of course, but um, to to grow up with that kind of awareness that you don't you're not seen as even belonging to your mother. Who is your birth mother? You know, so so keep continue. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, no, of course. So uh, so we grew up kind of. It, it, people look at Vermont like it's this very liberal um, place, and to which I can say, yes, it is. But also, it's very sheltered, and mm. in in the sheltering, people still have their uh, preconceived notions of, of, of you know, everything. They have all of the old movies that they've watched. They've watched, uh, you know, MTV, they watch this, they watch that. So they have these notions of what black people look like, what black people sound like, um, yeah. you know, everything that the media does. So yeah. really by, and I, I don't fault them because they haven't had, you know, when I grew up, going to elementary school, you know, there weren't, I didn't have another person of color. Actually, I had a, a, a woman, well, now she's a woman, but she was a girl back then. And she, I, you know, I think she's um, Middle Eastern of some sort. I, I don't know exactly what, but she's darker. So I, growing up, I just thought she was uh, another black person. And mm. uh, that was really, all there was in my school for a long time until I got to high school and then there were other black people around. But growing up, there was nobody around. There was one family that had uh, 19 adopted kids there. Mm, some were wow. from here, some were from there. 
and uh, that those were the other black kids in town, kind of. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I'm sure there were like these preconceived ideas that that you were like those kids, and that your mom, you know, adopted you and took you in, you know, like yeah. that that kind of. I, that kind I got of I, I got stopped at the police station one time when I was 15 year or at the uh, bus stop by the police while I was going to school to find out what I was doing. Oh, you know? uh, I was going to school. <laughs> yeah. But of course, you know, these are the presumptions that people make. And if they're living in a sheltered community, like you said, and you don't know anything outside of your own bubble, of course, you're just going to react according to whatever the media is telling you, whatever they're dictating to you. And so that must have been really um, complicated of an experience to, to, to go through because you don't see a lot of black or brown folks around you. And so you are aware of your difference, but at the same time, have you ever felt, because you're, we usually see ourselves in what's reflected outside of ourselves, right? And so did you ever for a moment consider yourself white? You know, it's, uh, it's interesting because I don't speak like I'm from the city. And, uh, it, you know, I have a lot of friends that are from the city now, and they say that I sound country. But meanwhile, I'm in Vermont, and they say that I sound this this way. So, and all of my best friends are white. So yeah. it's, uh, well, I won't say all, but all of my lifelong best friends are white. I have plenty of best friends now that, uh, that aren't uh, white. But it's, uh, I don't know, it's, it's it, I guess I got confused a lot even growing up because yeah. for instance, my family was in New York. So we would drive to New York. And when I would get to New York, I would be in a new uh, surrounding and it felt different because mm. now I'm in a surrounding where there's other people of color. There's this, there's that, yeah. there's everybody. Everybody's doing what they're doing. Whereas I'm used to being in Vermont where I didn't feel, uh, it, uh, it's, it's, it's still hard for me to even, uh, to yeah. even explain, I guess, you know, yeah. it, it's hard, it's hard to explain. It's like you're home, but not totally home. Yeah. Yeah. Because, and that's how I feel now. You know, I, if I, if I go to Vermont, I'm still going to deal with people that look at the floor when I walk by, as opposed to making eye contact or, people you know moving uh to the other side of the street if you're walking down the street that kind of stuff where yeah. it's not even it's not them i don't i don't fault them because it's their own ignorance really yeah but this now this day and age things are different where you know they have these books where people can read and you can figure out you know, right. oh this is why i'm scared of this person and this is why yeah i, I feel this way but back yeah. then it wasn't really acknowledged this whole, uh, you know, it was like, you're not a racist if you're not saying the end, if you're not calling somebody the N word. Right. You know, that, that's right. how it was back then. It was very blatant. Right. Like this is, this is a racist action. This isn't. Right. But now we're seeing it's the systemic racism and that's yeah. where so much of the real problems are is with the, the systemic racism and the inability for people to look at themselves and right. realize how they've been conditioned and yeah. then move on from there. Because I can talk with, 
you know, I have lots of experiences growing up that looking back, it's very racist. Yeah. But I don't hold these things on these people because these are even my friends where, you know, yeah. certain things that would have happened because they didn't know any better. And right. look at who they are now and yeah. what they're doing now and how they're acting now. And they've kept, they've changed said behavior. Yeah. 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 So you can't fault people in the past because they're working with what they know, right? They, they, exactly. they're, they're, their knowledge is limited. But, yeah. but we're in a day and age now where there's a lot more awareness about microaggressions, for example. And so I'm glad to hear that your, your white friends have modified their behaviors and their thinking because it shows that they really are invested in, you, in their relationship with you. And that's, yeah, and, you know, that's saying and something. Really, and, and even more so than me, they, they wanna be, like these, they've always been good people. Yeah. It's just that they have these, these little conditionings that right. by, by no fault of their own, right. they have these, these, these problems. They, they, they say these things and they, right. they think these ways. So right. really it's making them better people yeah. all in all too. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, outside of my relationship with them, they want to be, you know, even a stranger. It's like, yeah. you want to be able to treat a stranger correctly and not have any, anything to, uh, to, to do otherwise, really. Right, so, right. Like you want to treat people with, with respect and, and some kind of, well, some kindness and compassion, but some kind of objectivity, you know, like you want yeah. to be aware of our, our conditionings, right. And, and sort of try to make adjustments to that. Um, and that's really great. That's really great to hear as far as, you know, the, the example you're posing for your friends um, and, and basically, I mean, the way I, I guess is that you probably were like, dude, listen, this is racist. And they're like, what, you know? <laughs> so, I mean, so yeah. sometimes yes. And sometimes I was a quiet kid. I'm a, I'm a little bit more outspoken now, but mm. I was a quiet kid. So a lot of the time I didn't say anything growing up. Yeah. I let, you know, we, we, and, and, and honestly, I was so young, I didn't know it, but I can look at it in retrospect and mm -hmm. say, oh, wow, that's that's bananas that that was happening yeah but, yeah when you're a kid though it's like you don't yeah, even yeah. know you don't know any better you just kind of go and know. you just accept it and you're like oh i guess this is how it is so i'm just gonna go with the flow i guess <laughs> exactly exactly yeah if it's at yeah. the expense of my hair and me being embarrassed of my hair <laughs> mm. i'm embarrassed mm. of my hair yeah you know, it's, yeah it's like but who, but i'm not i was never somebody that was uh that was pointing, I actually wasn't somebody that was pointing things out about racism growing up because at the end of the day, um, I was surrounded by a bunch of people that wouldn't know what I was talking about anyways. Right. So. Right. Well, you, you didn't know what you were talking about. So. I, didn't, exactly, I didn't know either. It's just like, right. I didn't know I feel a way right now. Yeah, so yeah. Basically, but, I'm, but, gonna, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, cry about it on my own times. Whatever. Yeah, but you probably also perceive it as an individual moment, right? It's like, yeah, yeah. oh, you know, like my feet are too big for my body. You know, like when you go through those growth spurts and you're like, oh my God, I'm only like four foot five and my I've got a size 10 shoe or whatever. And you yeah, think yeah, that's yeah. your individual problem, not a larger um, systemic issue. So yeah. I think that's so interesting. So I wanna ask you to kind of circle back and connect all this is how, how has yoga played a role um in all of this um identity beingness like 
because yoga in the United States is largely white, you know, like Lululemon ads, mostly white people. I mean, I, I, for their, you know, to their credit, they are starting to put in more people of color in their advertising and their marketing. But for the most part, when people say yoga, we imagine a yoga studio with thin white women who can move their bodies into pretzels, right? <laughs> into, into those bendy shapes. So how has yoga um, treated you, we'll say, and, and how has that helped or hindered who you are being as a person of color? Um, good question. So with yoga, um, I would say I've learned a lot of great things through yoga. Yoga, a huge part of yoga is self-reflection. Mm -hmm. So it gives me the chance to self-reflect. And, and that's part of why, you know, I, I sit here and, I, and I've said to you already, like, I don't fault, I don't fault these folks for that because this is their conditioning. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. These are, this is, this is yoga language coming from me because yeah. as a teenager slash early twenties person, I would have faulted everybody. Yeah. I wouldn't have thought of any conditioning, nor would I have cared of any conditioning. Yeah. It would have just been this person's a so-and-so, you know, and that, and that yeah. would have been that. Yeah. So, so the yoga in itself Pardon me, we're in Puerto Rico, so if you hear a little reggae tone driving by <laughs> right now, that's what's going on. So That's fun. I wish I was there. <laughs> yeah, it, it's great. It's, it's, it's hilarious and it's great. Um, and it's not three in the morning, so it's all good. <laughs> so uh, anyhow, um, the yoga and self-reflection, it's, it's a huge, huge part. And through self-reflection, you're also able to learn other people as well and kind of put yourself into their shoes. And that's part of that's part of what I do mm. is always put myself into another person's shoes. So it's really not their fault either that 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 there's so you know especially in Vermont, it's not their fault that it's predominantly a white yoga class when I walk into it. Right? Because right. that's the population. Right. It's just right. the population. So no matter what, no matter what, I could walk into a yoga class, I could walk into um, the grocery store, and it's still going to be a primarily white situation. Right? Yeah, so, because of the demographic of where your studio is yeah. located. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and especially in this, in this place. So being there, I always... You know, you kind of walk around knowing that people have these uh, conditioning the that they have. Yeah. yeah, they have the conditioning. Yeah. So I'm extra um, friendly, per se. So I, I, I smile at people. I learned this at a young age that if I smile at people, then they're not going to be as scared of me if I'm yeah. smiling. Yeah. So, yeah. So I started smiling, not because I'm happy, but because I want to make other people comfortable. Now, yeah, but see, so here's, here's, I want to, I want to sort of like rub up against that because. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. I, no, I, I'm. You know where I'm going with this. I'm, I'm saying that I do it, like that I was doing it in that situation. Yeah. It's not a good thing. Okay. Yeah. That's where, like, that, that's, that's where I was because right. like, 
I need to do this in order be safe, right? In order, yeah, in, in order to uh, to even have a conversation with somebody half yeah. the time, or, or, yeah. or, or to not, you know, it, it's it, I, it's just what I did at a young age because I knew that otherwise people were just scared of me. So, do you do that now, or what do you do no. now? No, not anymore, especially in Puerto Rico. Everybody smiles at each other over here. Well, Puerto Rico is Puerto Rico. <laughs> Everyone's happy when it's the sun but, is out. But no, in Vermont, no, I, I, I hung up the smiling gloves, you know? So <laughs> I, I don't do that anymore. And it's and now it's, uh, yeah, I, I did that really just as a way to kind of uh, lessen the fear factor for other people. And I've read articles about it. Like, I never even realized that... Uh, that you were doing it <laughs> that i was doing it yeah yeah like until i read these articles and i was like oh geez i i always had to do that growing up you know yeah. like yeah. otherwise i was the bad kid in class otherwise right I was, you know right getting sent to the uh you know i was getting you know followed around by by teachers yeah school waiting for me to do something wrong right right and that's so, the system right that's the system yeah. we're talking about it's like it's like people of color are are shaping themselves to accommodate the system when when we really need to just like take that apart um, exactly exactly and that's yeah. why that's why that was the only reason why i cut you off because i wanted you to know that i know it's complete bs yeah yeah yeah. i was like okay i hope you know that okay literally like the self-oppression yeah from, by myself from the oppressive society anyway yeah. I, yeah. I actually felt like these were things that i had to do yeah in order to make somebody else's yeah and you're not the only one you're not the only one you know that's got to be like every black person in the united states yeah. you know in order to feel safe you need to you need to shrink yourself or, or accommodate you know whatever system is in place so mm -hmm. as not to be perceived as threatening yeah. um, which is messed up which is totally messed up and so how do you negotiate i mean now that you've hung up the smile gloves <laughs> how do you negotiate those spaces with the yogic philosophies applied well now the yogic i mean with the yogic philosophies applied uh i guess i don't know can you reword that i guess yeah yeah so is it like namaste while i give you the finger oh, yeah. <laughs> i'm just kidding i'm just kidding yeah. <laughs> but it's more it's more like you know so i mean I know there's a piece that we want to we want to get to in this conversation, but I, I want before we go in there in that um, in that direction, I'm wondering about like how do we how do we continue to be active in fighting for racial justice, right? Dismantling systemic racism with kindness and compassion um, that we can draw from the yogic philosophy that you know. And I don't want to I don't. I'll just say that we are all one, you know, and I know there might be some eyeballs rolling like, oh God, here we go with the, we're all one, you know, but we are all human beings, right? And, and I don't think, I think racism is, is very much amplified more so in this country than any other one in, you know, across the globe. So how do we, how do we use yoga philosophies and teachings to help dismantle racism, to help take down the system so that we can all for once and for all see that we are all human beings? I don't know. I don't okay. I don't have I don't have an answer, but I want to hear yeah, what you well, say. Yeah, I, I mean I might I don't have an answer, but I, I have some thoughts, I guess we yeah. can say. Yeah. So um, you know, 
recently, I, you know, I, through yoga, because like you said, it's a, it's a, there's a lot of women in the, in the yoga scene. There's a lot of women yoga teachers. So now my wife is a great yoga teacher for me. I was also trying to find like a male yoga teacher to, and also we have the husband and wife uh, relationship as well. So I was looking for kind of like an outside teacher and I just wanted a male teacher, not because of, because uh, I had a female teacher, even though she's my wife, I, I had yeah. a female teacher, but I just wanted some, I wanted other, other stuff too, basically. Yeah. I just, just to kind of keep me in check. And so yeah. I, I, I started going to classes and kind of traveling around and doing classes with different people. And plus I liked, you know, an athletic, strong yoga practice that, you know, that asana practice I wanted to be, you know, and I, and I was, uh, I was into handstands at the time. I still am, but, uh, but that was attractive to me. And I knew that if there's handstands that are offered in a class that it'll be a physically demanding class. And part of, when I say physically demanding, I say physically demanding sense that it gives me a lot of things to do for me to stay focused on and to work through my body. Because if you study yoga, you'll find that there's this, uh, this, this life force within us called uh, prana, which I know you're familiar with, but through the activation of the muscles and through the engagement of the muscles, we can actually open up all of the, uh, the nadi channels, the energy channels in our body, which allows the prana to move through our whole body. And through this prana, we can move our consciousness through our body and become more aware. And then when we've become more aware, then we can start really meditating and whatnot. So yeah. anyhow, yeah. part of, so when I, when I say physically demanding, that's where I'm going with it because I'm looking at the, the prana side of things, that, that physicality of, of the asana itself. So yeah. it brought me to, to a male teacher that I thought was good because most all of these, uh, the yoga philosophy, it was being presented in a way that everybody is one, like you just said. Yeah. So when we're there and we're doing this, uh, this yoga practice and we start to see everybody around and everybody is on board with, uh, with we're all one, um, that is a nice thing, theoretically. Theoretically, it's yeah. Nice yeah, but practically, yeah. it's a different it's a different issue because people tend to use that phrase as a bypass for doing the actual work. Um, you know, it's like, oh, racism doesn't really exist because we're all one. But you know what? I'm in this 3D body, and people treat me differently because I am a brown Asian woman. You know. <laughs> yeah. Well. Well, and, and that's, that's really what happened to me. So I, I'll, um, I'll go into it a little bit. Yeah. And I'm not going to bring everything up, but basically, uh, you know, if we rewind a year here and we move back to uh, the pandemic, the beginning of the pandemic, mm -hmm. and we have the George Floyd 
murders. Mm -hmm. So we see we see that across the country, there was rioting. There were, um, you know, a, a lot of protesting. Mm -hmm. There was, uh, you know, there were these people saying this and these people saying that, um, and everybody. I don't, I don't know how to really, uh, how to really describe it, but some people, they, they were kind of missing the point that this person just got killed in front of everybody, and 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 you're sitting there and you're saying, ah, well, you know, the guy was a dopehead, you know, ah, the guy was on heroin, ah, the guy was resisting, yeah, all all, all of these things, and these are yogis that are saying this kind of stuff, yeah. Yeah. So let, yeah. Yeah. Let's, 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 let's unpack that a little bit. Let's talk about how, um, you know, we know, we know there are seekers out there who are looking for like a deeper meaning of life. They're looking for spiritual guidance. And then there are these, there are these teachers who um, some people call them gurus, some call them, you know, like mentors or whatever. And um, often, I mean, we're all human. Right. And so, some of these gurus as has been famously um i guess publicized are are certain gurus who you know are accused of inappropriate behavior with their teachers you know or even like sexual violence um but so it raises the question of these of these so-called gurus as far as like what they teach and do they practice what they teach do they actually understand the concepts that they are trying to share with their students and able to apply it to themselves. Now, I know that um, one of your teachers, who's also one of my teachers, um, doesn't seem to <laughs> make that connection. So maybe you can you can talk a little bit about what happened last year that um, I don't know just showed showed the the truth of this particular guru who. You know, if you want to name him, you can name him. It's, you know, it's totally up to you. I'm not, I could go either way. Yeah, I, I probably will. But first I'm going to, I'm going to talk a little bit on, on the matter before I even, before I even name him. Um, yeah. Now, here's what, here's what happened. Like to get things really kicking off here is that this person has a, a very large community and he had introduced us to lots of different people. Now, one of these people that he introduced us to, he had introduced this person that he said, hey, this is like a son to me. So this person was making posts uh, about, you know, the, the whole George Floyd thing and kind of getting into uh, white privilege. He was posting all these different memes that were very borderline you know, Nazi racist type stuff. And I tried to talk with him. No, nothing happened. Still, I tried to talk to him. Nothing happened. So then I went to the teacher and I said, hey, you've got to talk to this kid because this kid is going the wrong direction. He needs help. The stuff that he's saying isn't okay. Mm. The teacher looked at it. And he said, oh, my goodness, I've got to talk to him. So then he talks to him. The kid comes back to me 
and he says, can we agree to disagree? I, I didn't understand your experience. So he turned it into my experience. Mm. Now, upon his reaction or his response to that, I said, whoa. I said, no, we're done here. I can't, I can't do this because it's not an agree to disagree uh, type of scenario. Right. Yeah. So then I went back to the teacher and I said, we need to talk because whatever conversation you had, it didn't lead to the result of what, what needed to be done. And so yeah. I spoke and, and so I spoke with him and I started to, you know, they, how they say hindsight is, uh, 2020, is 2020 right? Yeah. So as I'm speaking to him and I'm saying, this is why, uh, this is wrong, you know. Uh oh, internet is spotty again. Is it better? Okay, yeah, it's better. So, just to kind of recap, so this kid who was posting um, almost Nazi like memes. Yeah, he in response to the George Floyd murder, mm -hmm. he, he ended up not really understanding what he did was wrong. He just said, he just sort of bypassed it. Yeah, well, what, what he did was he turned around and he said, because he turned around and he said, I don't know your experience and I need to be more careful of the things that I post. Yeah, that's but that, yeah, but that doesn't change the thinking. That doesn't change your thinking. Right. It doesn't and, change your thinking. So, yeah. So you turned to the teacher, right, and said, "Hey, yes. we need to we need to fix this." <laughs> exactly. So I went back to him, and he asked me all the reasons of why it's not okay. And I and so I started uh, I started talking with him, and all of the conversations that I've had with him. See, now one of the things that that um, I'm just going to say his name, Raghu, uh, yeah. because just for the sake of conversation. Yeah. Um, he teaches these uh, these lessons uh, to be tolerant. You know, he teaches oh, the these lessons. Right, uh, these pillars. Yeah, the, the, six, the six pillars, right? So the six pillars are kind of just there for everybody to be tolerant of him. Not, it doesn't even have anything right. to do with, uh, with the real world. <laughs> it's, a, it's to be tolerant of him and his quote unquote obtuseness and his own shortcomings and his own dented can. That's why he's saying these things. He says it so we can actually be forgiving, I guess, or, or take pity on him. And I was talking with somebody earlier today that was like, yeah, I actually felt bad for him. And that's how I think a lot of us feel. We actually end up feeling bad. And that's why so many of the excuses when I talk with people about him and everybody that feels that he has these, uh, these shortcomings as well, what most of the people that I speak with say is oh he's human and to which i respond of course he's human what else would anybody think of course he's human yeah. so that being human is a great thing because that gives you just like just like all of these people that i knew when they were kids they yeah. did certain things they don't do it now being right. a human gives you the ability to self-reflect yeah. and to change said things so here's what's going on, is that all of this happened a year ago, 
After I had the conversation with him, he thanked me. He said, I feel closer. And he washed his hands and he never called me again. Mm. And that's the fact of the matter. So, so I said to him, even the next day after the conversation, I sent a text and I said, I'd really like to talk in person because I don't want you to think that I'm angry. Mm -hmm. And I appreciate us talking to which he responded and I would read it to you, but I'm using my phone right now. (laughs) Um, So I can't, I can't read it because I'm doing the zoom. Our internet is is bugged out, but uh, he he responded. Thanks. I feel closer. Um, If we're going to teach and serve together, then we need to always um, be forthright with this kind of stuff. Thank you. Um, he asked me what books that he could, well, first he had asked me if I could, if I could teach him on this subject of racism and whatnot, which I'm not even, um, equipped or, or qualified to do. I said, there's plenty of books out there. Mm-hmm. Read white fragility. We read this book, read that. He How said, to be oh, an anti-racist, you. right? Yeah. He, yeah and, and he said, thank you. And literally that was it. Yeah, that was it. And we had a teacher training plan. We had all these things planned, but he went, he ghosted on me. And that, and, and that was, and that was that. And he had literally been, you know, calling us almost every day prior to that. So that, again, this is back in the pandemic. So one yeah. of the conversations that I had had, this is how hindsight is 2020. One of the conversations that I had had with him was telling, he, he, he called me saying, that he wanted to buy a gun because he was worried about looters coming to his farm in the middle of, uh, you know, upstate New York and whatnot. And I said, I said, I said, I said, nobody's coming to your farm. I said, you don't need a gun. You you know, maybe you need a gun, but not for those reasons. It's not going to be for any, any looters coming to your, to your farm to to steal, to steal whatever you have at your farm. And he was just getting very worked up in the whole pandemic and whatnot. Mm. Um, you know, and that was really, he, he was stuck. He was in a stuck place and, yeah. and a lot of people were, but that doesn't mean that, uh, that, that you're just, uh, you don't stay there. You don't stay yeah, there. Yeah, you, you know, you, you, move, you move through it. You look at it and you move through it. Yeah. So, so with, uh, with the rest of that, so he continues, he does this podcast and, uh, around that time, see, I didn't know it because I don't follow this particular person on, uh, on the internet, but somebody had called him out on the internet for being racist. Mm. Now, I listened to him gaslight this person on the show, mm. not knowing that he was gaslighting this person. Mm. Fast forward to this year, and I started speaking with another person that I knew through him, and they had experienced other problems with him, not racist problems as this person is, is white, but more, um, more along the, 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 the thing is that with him, he's actually got, I was very tolerant of his, of his business, of his friendship, of his always asking for things, um, never really wanting to do anything for anybody else. I was tolerant of all this because I thought I was doing it for the greater good because mm. his message 
his message seemed to be a good message at the time. Yeah, because, yeah. Because Usually that's how it goes with these gurus, right? Yeah, yeah. And so, um, so this other person said, hey, well, did you ever read this, uh, this post from last year? So I went down this person's Facebook page. I scrolled down and I finally found it. Mm. And the date of it is right around the same time within days of what was going on with with me and him yeah and yeah, so, yeah and so i i was able to see him gaslighting her and him being cold yeah. him being cold to her and being blatantly sexist because he wasn't that way with me yeah he yeah he was very he was very rude to her he wasn't rude to me he just washed his hands with me and never and, and didn't speak to me again yeah 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 so yeah so this this poses the 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 big question of like you know who for us as we'll just say regular people um you know who are we learning from you know like who who do we see teaching and are they are they practicing the very philosophies that they're trying to teach and you know from what i've seen it's like he's stuck in the same loop and yeah. not really seeing that he's stuck you know he doesn't there's no self-reflection yeah no no self-reflection no practice of yoga um and very much so just uh hiding behind things and it's quite evident i mean i'm not it's, it's just evident if you if you pay attention to him he's all over the place he, i mean you can't even uh sit down in one spot that's not what yogis you know yogis are yeah yeah i mean it, it's just it's hard because i had i had my own um personal experience with him where i brought up racism um and this was before pandemic even um and i was asking you know how do you translate the spiritual practices the spiritual teachings and apply it to the 3d world you know because we are on this planet in a human body you know a lot of his teachings are about like these other realms it's like that's yeah. cool and all right that's cool but we're here right now we're like physically living in a body we didn't we you know i'm i'm in this body in a country that treats brown bodies like garbage you know that okay so what am i supposed to do when i'm given this spiritual teaching how do how do those connect because there was a gap for me that it was like okay spiritual cheating teachings are like all oh, kumbaya we're all on cool am i supposed to let racist people treat me like garbage like no you know it's like this whole like be tolerant be forgiving i'm not a doormat you know and so i brought this question to him about about this stuff and he he basically circumvented the answer he he said you know well today i'm a I'm a white guy, um, but you know, next life I, I could be like a brown woman, or maybe I was a brown woman in previous life. And I'm like, but that doesn't apply to what's happening right now. So tell yeah. me, like, what can we do right now? And he just, you know, sort of checked out and, and dodged the dodged the question. And I even said to him, You have a big platform, and a lot of people listen to you. And the fact that you're not saying anything speaks volumes. I mean, yeah. to, 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 to the people that are not your followers, you know, the mm -hmm. fact that you don't say anything or speak out against racism. I don't remember what it was that was happening um, because it was before George Floyd, but you know, there's always something happening when it comes to racism. Mm -hmm. And I just, 
would have liked for him to, to say something about it. Not, he didn't have to go on a whole podcast episode about it, you know, but just some kind of acknowledgement. And um, I got no response. I got, you know, silence. I got the opt out. You know, I got yeah. the same thing as you, where it was like, thank you for bringing this to my attention. Um, I really appreciate you. Bye. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, can, I, can I build on that? So, yeah. Yeah. So, so back to me bringing it to his attention. And now here we are, ju just like you. I, I, brought it, I brought it to his attention here. Yeah. He thanked me. He acknowledges it. Mm -hmm. And then and then proceeds. Here we are a year later. And same story. He's still he's still saying these things. He's he's constant, you know, one one of the things that he does or that he says is, you know, he he, he knocks on rap music. I just now not it. I made a post uh, a few weeks ago. I'm, I think that you saw it, but I, yeah. I did make a post. I made the post not because I wanted to attack him or anything like that. that that's yeah. not what's going on. And quite frankly, doing this uh, interview with right now, right now is kind of to defend myself too, because after I made a post about his sexism and racism and the fact that you can't be sexist and racist and be a, a legitimate yoga teacher. So I say that it's a fraud, that you're, that you're a fraud because of these things. These are two of the reasons mm. um, why you're a fraud. But so by my making this post, he interprets that as a quote unquote, his, as, as, as a shotgun of hate, which he says on his show, which I don't know, they, they claim that there's thousands of people listening to it. So. Here we are on your podcast that one year ago, you said you wouldn't talk about the George Floyd case because you wanted to keep it spiritual. Mm. But now a year later, you want to do woe is me and gaslight me as if, as if I'm doing it out of hatred. I wasn't doing it out of hatred. I was actually doing it out of protection mode because I needed to clear it up with, my, with the yoga community yeah. that this person is not associated with me because I introduced him to a lot of different people. There are people that yeah. went to India based yeah. on me saying, come to India, this guy right. is the real deal. So yeah. I needed to get rid of that yeah. because the things that he's been saying as of late, he literally sat there saying how bad rap music was because of the lyrics. It was yeah. because of the lyrics. He, he said, that they yeah. say bad things about women. He said that they say bad things about cops. Um, a very, yeah. very much old school argument from the early 90s. This yeah. is, uh, we're in 2021. Yeah. There's a lot of different rappers, a lot of different lyrics, a yeah. lot of different genres of rap even. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and, then, and then in the next week, you're quoting a country song, singing it, saying that it's a great song and that it's too bad that it got quote unquote me too'd and yeah. laughing about the me too uh, movement. movement. Yeah. So, so yeah. What, what do you have a problem with? Because the, the song, throw a, a, another log on the fire, when you Google the song, it comes up as uh, the misogynistic anthem of the United States of America. So yeah. Yeah, I yeah. didn't know the song. I never heard the song. I yeah. never heard the lyrics. So I Googled it 
because I had to see what 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 they were talking about, and it's very the the lyrics are terrible. It, you know, it's telling women not to get fat. It's telling women to throw a log on the fire. It's basically, I mean, Pitch my slippers, listeners. wife. Yeah, listeners, yeah, listeners. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 I hate listen it. To this, listen to this song that he claims yeah. is a great song. Yeah. Yeah. And meanwhile, you're saying that rap has gotten evil because of the lyrics. What do you really hate? Do you hate the lyrics? Because if that's the case, you should hate this song as well. Or do you right. hate the person singing or saying or writing the lyrics? Right. Because that person is a person of color. Because that person is a person of color, just like right. his language. He, right. he says, you don't call people dog. You don't say, yo, everything that he does is very much anti-black culture and that was what yeah. my that was what my post was and i had all these people jumping on not one of them is asking me what my experience was they're just jumping on to defend ragu so yeah. when you're just jumping on to defend ragu that means that you have an attachment to ragu and a love for ragu now right but there's no self-reflection either on their part Exactly. So where, where does Krishna fall into this? Because if you're saying right. that we're all one and that the devotees are all one underneath Krishna, then why are you now all of a sudden not speaking to me because I called Raghu out on his yeah. blatant racism, which could have been fixed a year ago. My intention was not to say, oh, I, I, you know, I, I want to argue with this guy or anything right. like that. My intention in telling him as instructed, because he asked me for so long, yeah. Noah, tell, please tell me if I'm ever out of line. Please tell yeah. me if, if, um, if I'm ever, uh, you know, all of these things. Yeah. Yeah. And then when yeah. I do, he doesn't mean it. Do. <laughs> he doesn't you mean actually, it. Yeah, you, actually, you actually had the chance to work on this stuff. Yeah. But you chose yeah. not to, and you're still saying yeah. you're, you're, he's a, He's a skipping record. He's still saying the same thing. If you listen to to his 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 story on rap and and, and how it's bad, you'll hear him saying it over and over again. I mean, you can listen to him saying it like three times in the last few months on his on his show. He has no new information. Yeah, he's not working. He's not. He's not evolving. He's not evolving. He's not evolving yeah. in any type of way. He's still sitting there with the same problems instead of taking a chance. To, to work on himself, which was my goal. I wanted him to work on himself. Well, here's the thing. We can only help people who want our help, right? I mean, that's, yeah. that's, the, that's lesson number one in anything. Doesn't matter if you're a yogi, you know, a therapist, or just somebody who likes helping people. Nobody will take your help unless they ask for it. You know, it's like, we have all the answers. Like, okay, not answers, solutions, right? Yeah. We see when people have a problem or a challenge we can see the solution because we're not in it often right like so, you know often we can't see our own problems and we need someone else to reflect them back to us but if we are not open to receive that information if we didn't ask for help we don't want it you know mm -hmm. and so so the question then becomes what's in my power what what power do i have what are my choices you know and and so for me and for you our choices were to distance ourselves from this particular teacher the question is now how how what more do we do because his influence over so many people is far reaching that it doesn't serve humanity so you know we've we've taken care of the personal aspect right 
I've distanced myself, you've distanced yourself, but we can't, if we are true yogis, we can't just sit by and let, let him continue to perpetuate these messages of racism and sexism of narrow-mindedness. Um, and so what can we do as individuals, but also collectively? You know, that's a question that I have for anybody, but for you right now, what, what do you, what do you think? What are your, what are your thoughts on that? Um, you know, part, part of it is doing what we're doing right now because so many people are, are, they, they don't, they don't know because, because, you know, one of the things that happened when I made the post was people were saying, oh, I didn't experience this. And yeah. other people would jump on and say, yeah, you didn't experience it because you're not black, you're, you're, you're a white guy or, or whatever. And right. So a lot of people don't don't realize it's going on anyways. And right. again, that comes down to conditioning that they don't know. So yeah. now when when we vocalize it and we say that these things are happening, mm -hmm. now we have these people that are listening. They can choose yeah. to either say, you know, I don't care, I'm gonna still listen to this guy. Yeah. Or they can say, Oh, wow. This isn't the this isn't the type of stuff that that I want to hear, and why would I want to listen to something? Right, uh, right. You know, if if they're not actually going to to act it out, it's very easy to to talk. Anybody can sit around and talk, which is what he does. He sits around mm -hmm. and talks. He brags yeah. about having the gift of gab, you know. But 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 what I'm finding is that he doesn't do much of anything. He really doesn't do much of anything. He doesn't do any service. Everything that he does, he gets paid for. He's very much money driven. And, mm. and I mean. So, so what I'm hearing, like, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. No, it's just, you, you realize these things. I mean, I, I was sitting at a, at a table with him one time filled with other white folks and he was going off on a tangent and wherever it went, he got into the whole uh, white privilege and how white privilege doesn't exist. And mm. now he's doing this at a table with all other white people. And he looks at me and he says, right, Noah? And- Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. Do, you know, and, and, and what do I do? It's like, I'm at a table right. of white people. Right. And you know what I did? I just bypassed it because at that point, I was being tolerant to the ignorance. And that's, yeah. what, that's what I was doing. He actually, you know, I thought he was my friend. I thought yeah. I could help him otherwise. I was trying yeah. to do these things. Yeah, but, and that's dangerous. I mean, that's, yeah. yeah, that's the dangerous part of, of, of these gurus who are preaching and not practicing what they preach is that the followers, mm -hmm. you know, they, they are so devoted, <laughs> devotees, to whatever the person, the teacher, the guru is saying without questioning it, that then, then, I mean, then we just, it's just automatic. You know, if you get wrapped up in his, in his storytelling and in his proclamations, right? Like, mm -hmm. you know, I take no offense. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I, first of all, I hate that one because like, who are you to tell me like to take no offense, right? Yeah. If I want to be offended, I, that's my choice to be offended. Right. Yeah. But if it's an invitation to like, Notice if you get offended, what that's about. That's different.
from then just declaring I take no offense like I hated that yeah. one so much right but there are people who who are like oh here are the six pillars for me to be like a true devotee to be like closer to God to Krishna whatever it is and and then like at what cost right so then they then they can't think for themselves they're like oh no I can't you know I got to be the doormat I have to, yeah. to be tolerant I have to take no offense I have to do all these other things in order to get the approval of the guru in order to get closer to get some sort of like you know grace uh, some sort of anointing by this guru that I've put on this pedestal and so that's yeah. the damaging part of it is when someone in this on this pedestal is racist and sexist and do, is also not evolving is not self-aware is totally delusional and you have all these people who are ready to learn and are seeking answers and they find this guy then it becomes dangerous because they they end up mm -hmm. thinking like him without yeah. self-reflection and that mm -hmm. just perpetuates the problem that we're trying to eradicate exactly and thank you thank you for saying that because you have the words that I do not because oftentimes <laughs> I just get stuck when I'm trying to speak and I'm like, what are the words trying to come out of my mouth? And but you just said it perfectly. And th and that and that's why and that's why I, you know, why I made the post that I did, because I want people to know. And yeah. what happened was nope, nobody knows the relationship that I had with him either. So, you know, these people that are jumping and defending so much don't realize that, you know, I was on his uh you know, weekly call list of, of, of me giving him life advice. He would call yeah. me asking yeah. for things. He, he called me saying, Hey, Noah, I need to get away from things. Can I come to your house? And I said, yeah, yeah the door's unlocked. Go, we're not going to be there. He shows up at our house. You know, yeah. that's the yeah. type of relationship that I had with him. Yeah. It's not like I'm just some uh, disgruntled student here. Right. I'm somebody right. that listened to things. He told me things in confidence now that I can look back at and I can say, the guy is a racist. Yeah. The guy is a sexist. I was being tolerant and guess what? I'm going to sit here and I'm gonna say, you know what, Noah, you were wrong for being tolerant to all this stuff and being quiet for so long. But yeah. again, I was under this- This uh, the spell. <laughs> uh, yeah. The, the, yeah, the, the abusive teacher. It's kind of like how uh, Stockholm syndrome, you know? Yeah, yeah. People, people are okay to their abusers sometimes, and yeah, we know this yeah. stuff. And sometimes we got to get out of the relationship to realize how bad it was. Yeah, and that's really, and that's really what happened here was yeah. that we were tolerant of so much, but then right. all of a sudden the the racism like is what is what made the cork blow on it. And I said, yeah. whoa! And then I started realizing all of these things and how it actually is racist and how he's not yeah. changing yeah. his past memories. Like he still portrays himself as the poor white kid that got beat up by black kids at yeah. school. Yeah. You know, yeah. like that's yeah. still, and that's still a story that he tells, which yeah. means that he's still living there and he's still yeah. thinking these things. And I yeah. heard him blatantly lie about things to yeah. which one of them is the very podcast that he does right now. He, that whole podcast that he does right now was started because myself and two other people wanted to take these classes in the morning with him. We want to stay connected. So we started yeah. doing that. When he tells this story now, he leaves me out of the equation. Mm. He leaves 
he never, and I don't, I never needed credit. It's not because yeah. I need yeah. credit. I yeah. just like to see things be told as they were. And you right. can't just right. erase somebody out of the story. Well, if you're white, you can. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, it, yeah. That's kind of what they're arguing about the whole high school system right now, right? You know, yeah. it's a critical race theory, right? Yeah, they, yeah. They erase these things. And that's what that's what he's doing right now. He's, he's erasing me out of the whole start of wisdom of the, I've, I've renamed it, wisdom of the stooges. Yeah. So it's not wisdom <laughs> of the sages. It's wisdom of the stooges. Yeah. I'm going to make yeah. some memes and I'm going to put them up. Because that's, I need to make fun of the of the situation. Yeah, over there. yeah, yeah. And so just you know? to yeah, just to be clear, like for our listeners, this is not this is not um, the intention is not to to take down Raghu. It's to share the no. the truths and the stories of what's happening behind the scenes. Because all you all you see is the public persona, right? And if you don't see what's happening behind the curtain, if you don't see the 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 reality of how a teacher is racist and sexist then how can change actually happen and so we're, we're bringing these stories forward in order to shine light on what the real story is and the thing is you know and this is this is a teaching in yoga but in a lot of spiritual communities is that we can find evidence to support anything we believe mm -hmm. so if you know ragu is like um you know saying something as like there's no such thing as white privilege he will be able to find evidence of you know white privilege not existing to support his yeah. view because he he can choose to look away from like statistics of you know black women are denied small business loans all the time over like mm -hmm. white women you know like no there's no white privilege there you know i'll just look away from that so just to be clear to the listeners like we are sharing these stories because we want to shine a light on an aspect of this predominantly popular teacher in yoga yoga communities um who's causing some real damage to communities yeah. of color um and and it won't be tolerated because if we stay silent we're just complicit in in creating that harm as well yeah so so Noah, I appreciate you for for coming forward and and sharing your experiences and your story, not just about Raghu, but just about you know you in general, like your whole journey through yoga um, and what it was like to grow up as a person of color in a very white state, not even like the town, like the state, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know. Um, and so it so it informs a lot of how how you experience the world and how you. Um, interact with people. And so I'm really glad that you're able to call Raghu out on, on some of his stuff, even if he's not going to listen, but mm -hmm. to, to really bring voice to, to injustices that a lot of people like fail to see. So I really appreciate you for, for, for that, for vocalizing it and, um, and just being so forthcoming with it, because it's not easy. A lot, a lot of people of color see injustices, but are not so forthcoming like they're reluctant because they fear for safety they fear repercussions you know things like that but i don't know about you but i'm at a point where like i don't care anymore because this has gone on too long um so i think it's just important for us to get the word out so thank you i really appreciate you um yeah so if we could wrap up our podcast conversation with a little roomy does that sound sound cool with you 
Oh, and I like this one. It's a little bit longer than the Hafez poem, but we'll just read this poem and then we will close it out. This one's called Where Everything is Music. Don't worry about saving these songs. And if one of our instruments breaks, it doesn't matter. We have fallen into the place where everything is music. The strumming and the flute notes rise into the atmosphere. And even if the whole world's harp should burn up, there will still be hidden instruments playing. So the candle flickers and goes out. We have a piece of flint and a spark. This singing art is sea foam. The graceful movements come from a pearl somewhere on the ocean floor. Poems reach up like spindrift and the edge of driftwood along the beach wanting. They derive from a slow and powerful root that we can't see. Stop the words now, open the window in the center of your chest and let the spirits fly in and out. See, can't life just be like that? Just let the spirit fly in and out and we can all just love. <laughs> right, right. Uh, yeah, yeah. All right, my friends, my listeners. So that wraps up our episode for today. Um, I hope you enjoyed our conversation with Noah Wiseman. You can find him and his wife at uh, Suka Yoga, yoga studio in Burlington, Vermont. Um, I will put the website in the show notes so you guys can reach out to both of them. They're amazing people. So if you have the chance to study with them, please, please do. Don't hesitate at all. So to close it out, my friends, the divine light in me bows to the divine light in you. Until next time. Namaste. If you're feeling like fighting the good fight is bringing you down and hope is starting to fade, grab my free seven-day meditative challenge, Spark Joy in Chaos, by signing up for my newsletter, which will be more light to your inbox. Go to suryagiyan.com slash subscribe. Thank you.